Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Brian Regby with Wonder US Property Group. Brian's gonna share how his team did 90 deals during COVID, including one week where he did six figures, working only 20 hours per week. Crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, one question I get a lot is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, type it in the comment section. After the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag your friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brian to answer. You ready? Man, I'm ready, Steve. All right, cool. So. What got you into real estate? What got me into real estate? So uh, first things first, uh, I actually didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. I actually came from the mantra, go to college, um, you know, get a good job. Life would be great, they said. And if you want life to be even better, get more degrees. (laughs) So uh, I actually came out of college and I actually started teaching. I was a high school science teacher for four years. Um, Really? Yeah. Wow. Taught high school science for four years. And after that, I actually got... Um, it was stressful. I actually liked it, um, but um, I just wanted more more money um, and, and really something a little bit more fulfilling. So I actually got uh, into the uh, oil and gas industry, and I was working shift work, 50 to 70 hours a week, night shifts and day shifts. And on the night shifts, you know, every my coworkers were about 25 years older than me. You know, they would go to sleep and everything, and I would hear them say, you know, Bob. Um, in another seven years, I'll retire and I'll be able to go fishing or, or go camping. And it, it just didn't really sit well with me. So while they were sleeping, I would be on the Internet trying to find out ways to make more money. A lot of things seemed gimmicky or scammy, but I kept coming back to real estate. And I was like, man, I think this is real. There's too many um, examples. So that's uh, what, what got me into it. Um, I actually uh, told my wife, I, well, it's my fiance at the time. I said, you know, I want to try this. At the time, I didn't really have uh, much money. Um, I didn't really have great credit. Um, she supported. We went on our honeymoon to Bahamas. As soon as we came back, I invested, uh, you know, a large, you know, little, little portion of what I had uh, into some uh, some education, and the rest is history. So, uh, which education got you started? So it was like a um, a freedom uh, some sort of freedom course and. And also, I had a guy locally that was doing some deals, mm-hmm. um, and he allowed me to kind of split profit on, uh, you know, one. Of, well, really, I was kind of like a uh, what's it called a bird dog, mm-hmm. right? And he tossed me, <laughs> tossed yeah. me a couple of coins. Um, yeah, so but you got, you got, you got to start. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that uh, I heard you say just a moment ago, high school science teacher. Yeah. So you went to school to become a teacher? Yeah, I had a biology major, chemistry yeah. minor. Yeah. And I asked that question because I actually, in my mind, was thinking. I want to be a school teacher, and I saw how much teachers made, and I said, all right, that's not happening. <laughs> but I also said, like, when I retire one day, I think I want to go back to be, like, a science teacher in high school. So that was actually what was in my mind, but now I get to teach and make money doing it. But yeah. it's, it's cool to hear that because that's what I wanted to do initially. Now, you went to go work for this oil and gas company, right. and then you went also did the side hustle thing. And I actually wrote that down to talk about later on. So we're going to talk about side hustle. Uh, but the other thing is you found someone to mentor you and you gave them a percentage of the profits. Right. Was it 50-50? Uh, so the, 
yeah so the 50 it was 50 50 that very like that um um the the first deal it wasn't actually my deal um i wasn't you know solo um that actually was just kind of like a little, little fee mm-hmm. you know so i just got paid a little fee but the actual d- deals that i was like really a part of mm-hmm. and it wasn't just you know handing over a lead yeah it was 50 50. and i asked this question because a lot of guys are like how do i get started i don't have money and this and that and i say this and I, I don't think anyone cares for the answer, but I say like, it's, there's nothing wrong with working for somebody, oh, bro, and it's learning. The biggest cheat code ever. Yeah, learning from their experience. Yeah, you don't make as much money per deal, but you save so much time, money, and energy, and how not to screw up. Right. You you want? I, I'm proud. Some gurus are gonna get mad at me, right? <laughs> uh, course sales. Everybody's course sales are probably gonna go down. But yeah. I think one of the biggest cheat codes is somebody's new. Say, so how do I get started? I see everybody posting all these checks on Facebook. Go get a great deal. Mm-hmm. Bring it to somebody that is proven and actually doing deals, and split the profit because you can invest thousands of dollars into somebody mentorship or co- course mm-hmm. and still not have their phone number. Right. Now a lot of these, you know, uh, real estate investors. Yes, you might say, I got a deal, and they might you know, toss it in their system. Hey, call this person. It's my blank manager, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, they'll actually help you work that deal. Now you have the personal contact to that person, and you actually have like one-on-one mentorship off the record, right? Right. So that's like a cheat code uh, yeah. for somebody. to. Uh, so I so love I that you, you did it, and yeah. you still believe in that model. That, that model is, is gold. I love it. All right, yeah. so let's talk about your very first deal. What was your very first deal? <laughs> Bro, so this was 2014. Um, it was the lead actually came from a company called Z Buyer. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I have, but they actually was like a, a subscription-based service that sold PPC leads at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, leads aren't the same anymore. I think they do email marketing now, but they right. were selling PPC leads, so it was really great leads. Um, and so uh, I, fa- I found the guy. His name was Will Will Hancock. I remember it to this day, and I called him. Um, I did my little, you know, my little formula, and I actually offered him a hundred thousand dollars. I said, I didn't know what to. Say. Hey, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars cash. And guess what? The scariest thing happened. He accepted it. Right. <laughs> I was like, where am I gonna get a hundred thousand dollars from? I remember uh, at the time I was in an apartment. I was pacing back and forth. My palms were sweating and everything <laughs> like that. But that was my. Um, so that was the first offer. He accepted it and. And so when I first started, I learned more advanced creative techniques. So I didn't do the normal go find a cash buyer. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to dispo the deal through the MLS mm-hmm. to get a maximum spread. So I went to a realtor, Keller Williams at the time, um, and I said, hey, uh, I got this contract and I want to go ahead and put it on the market so I could find a buyer. She said, you can't do that. You're not on title. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, you can. You know, my coach said I can. You know? <laughs> and she said, wait up, let me call you know, my escrow agent escrow agent came down to the office sat beside me look at my country said yeah he told the realtor yeah he can do that mm-hmm. put it on the market um it took about the buyer was like a fha buyer so it took about three four months um and of course the buyer had to go under contract with my actual seller right because mm-hmm. they were getting a loan um the guy gave me a few extensions uh when it came to closing steve i went to the closing table to pick up my check and the escrow officer said who are you and I said, well, I'm the guy that, you know, the the wholesaler that did the deal. They said, well, you're not on the HUD. Right. Uh, because I was cut you out weren't. the transaction. I didn't do everything right. So the guy, just admiring the hustle, he actually cut me a check in in the title company's lobby for $4,800 and gave it to me. <laughs> Who cut you the check? The seller. 
The seller cut you So he just respected the hustle. He he basically told me what I was going to make. He said, you said you was going to close on this day. You didn't close. And it, it was another month. And it was another month, I think, $4,800. And he cut me a check for $4,800. That's awesome. And that was my first deal. That's good because that could have been a really expensive lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. The, and that's something like, you know, we talk about innovations, right? Like substituting and, and this and that. Mm-hmm. But you just went ahead and did a contract between the buyer and the seller. Yeah. No paperwork. No one owed you anything. Nothing. Right. At least legally, no one owed you anything. Right. So, yeah. I'm glad that you got paid on that one. Uh, so, that was back in 2014? 2014. Yeah. Okay. Because I still remember before I met you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there was a great video of you. Uh, getting blasted by Max and Oops. Scott. <laughs> by quitting my job. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Absolutely, man. <laughs> I love those guys, man, and and I, and I like where they was coming from. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that was We Live right before We Live nineteen in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, and we were just kind of hanging out, um, and it was putting the pressure on me because at this time I did have the six figure job. I was working at Exxon Mobil, Fortune three company. Um, making about anywhere from 115 to 120 on my W-2. Um, and I was by myself with just like a VA, and I was making about 105 on the side. So I was making a little bit over $200,000 as a solopreneur, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was like, yo, if you're doing this much, right, working part-time, then this job that you're working 50 to 70 hours a week, why not go full-time? And You're working 50 to 70 hours a week? Yeah, it was shift work. We worked 12-hour shifts. Okay. Wow. It was a great job, though. (laughs) But anyway, um, and my philosophy, the reason, you know, it it was two things. One was a little bit of fear, but another is I just had a different plan. I read the book book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was really big on the the passive income thing. And so I didn't want to leave my job until I had enough rentals to take care of all of my expenses. So you had a plan. I had a plan. I didn't, and I was was actually kind of, bitter a little bit towards the wholesaling and kind of how realtors feel you know (laughs) I kind of felt like man I'm buying rentals creatively right and you know I don't because I didn't want to go wholesaling and just be a job what I wanted to do when I left my job I had the luxury of doing a deal if I wanted to do a deal and if Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do a deal I don't have to do any more deals yeah so that was that, that was the uh, the conversation. They were pushing me to leave. I knew that I wasn't ready yet because if I left then, I still had to do deals, mm-hmm. you know, and I just wanted to the rentals to be able. So I, I stayed a little bit longer until I reached that goal. So you still stuck to your vision. My vision, yeah. Which is powerful because mm-hmm. you got two monsters oh, crushing yeah. it. Right, that I respect and admire, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Telling you to go to change, just change directions and yeah. pivot, and you're like, nah, I got my vision. I'm going to execute my vision. I'm so glad, Steve, that I did it that way. Yeah. Because what I find is a lot of people do it the opposite way. They build a big wholesale operation just generating mm-hmm. six figures plus, but because of payroll, because of marketing expenses, it doesn't make sense for them to take down a rental and get a few hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. when they could get a ten, fifteen thousand dollars check. Yeah. You kind of get stuck in that. Right. And, you know, so I went my route originally kind of for fear and safety, but it worked out in my favor. That's awesome. Yeah. So what were some of your early struggles? I mean, we talked about this deal where you could have been completely screwed. Right. Um, what were some other other early struggles? Man, um, I, stopping marketing. And it took me so long before I realized what the problem was, right? Uh, but stopping marketing, you know, maybe if I'm feeling a little low, um, um, you know, on funds, I would just kind of slow up on marketing, 
right? And then it'll just be kind of like a ghost town, right? Tumbleweeds with the pipeline. Uh, and and I never really put two and two together. Uh, but, you know, later on, <laughs> later on. I, it's I, one of those things that's really yeah. obvious when you think about it. Yeah. But it's not in your face. <laughs> I think Henry Ford has a quote that says the, the person that stops advertising to save money is like taking the battery out of watch to stop time. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> that was my earliest struggle, man. Just um, stopping marketing and wondering why I'm not doing deals. Right. Yeah. Um, so then you came to your own realization. Someone helped you out. Um, I kind of came to my own realization and what I would do, I would throttle, I would just keep a steady stream, kind of like a drip. I wouldn't cut it off completely. So that's yeah. what I started to do. And of course, when I met my partner, then I really got it because he was, he's an integrator. He's a, he's a numbers guy. And, you know, he really introduced me heavy into KPIs. Gotcha. And then when I started looking at KPIs, then it got exciting. It was like, oh, well. You could kind of forecast everything with like a crystal ball. Exactly. You see the numbers. Exactly. And so we met at We Live 19. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. And it was kind of funny because even back then I was like, dude, when are you going to come on the show? You're like, I don't deserve it. And yeah. You're still acting kind of like, I'm no big deal. It's like, but you're making six figures a year part time. Yeah. So, and, and that's crazy. And I think that's one of those biggest things, you know, like judging success based on the comparison thing, judging mm -hmm. success on what you see. And I felt like six figures a year part-time, at first I felt confident about it because in my little market, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. But then when I started to see, you know, look, that I was like, I'm not the only one crushing it. Because right. where I was, like, I was that guy, <laughs> right? But then I started, you know, meeting other people. I was like, oh, man, everybody's doing six figures a month. That's the new standard, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I was just kind of waiting till I, you know, hit that yeah. six figures. Well, I think maybe that humility is maybe what, Maybe so. Yeah. Is what people attracts people to you. So I went on a, I would say a rant, mm -hmm. but I made some strong statements about anti side hustle. Anti side hustle, right? Okay. Uh, because everyone's talking about it, at least on social media, right? Side hustle, side hustle, right? You got to do your side hustle, whether it's flipping cars or you know, um, drop shipping or whatever it is. It's always like the side hustle, side hustle, and I hate the term side hustle because wow. it, it implies that you're doing it part time. Yeah. Right. It's not like a full time gig. Like side hustle to me is like five, 10 hours a week. Like if you're going to give yourself a shot, you got to be doing 20 hours a week. Like you're not doing anything fun. Right. Any leftover time has got to be towards your other business so that you can quit your existing job. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that? <sighs> uh, well, I guess how many hours were you working when you're trying to quit your job? On your, so, on your side you, hustle. You know, that's funny because people call it, they say, man, you, you're a part-time, so you're a part-time real estate investor. But in my eyes, I'm like, man, I'm full-time at both. <laughs> like, yeah. Because um, I, I felt like I was, at that time, I was investing, like you said, everything I had left. So it really didn't feel like part-time. But um, at that time, I'm going to tell you exactly what I used to do, Steve. I used to work, uh, you know, I used to go to work mm -hmm. with an Exxon mobile uniform on, right? Work a 12-hour shift. I would leave out of the gate and I would go direct. I would line up my appointments, right? And I would leave out of my, uh, out of the gate from work and go to, uh, directly to at least two seller appointments. Mm -hmm. um, I would have my boots on and everything and I would meet people. I wouldn't have a We Buy Houses shirt. I would have an Exxon <laughs> uniform on. The crazy thing about it, it worked to my advantage. Yeah. Uh, it just... People put their guards down. He was a normal working guy. Um, and I just felt like, is this a cheat code, right? Yeah. Just being a, a normal guy. So 
what I would do is I, w- I would do that, and and then my wife would get the the last couple of hours, and and she understood division. I did that until uh, reached that goal. So that's how yeah. I kind of approach it. So, how many hours a week do you think you were putting in at that time? Mm-hmm. Uh, in real, real estate, career. in real estate, probably about thirty hours a week. Yeah, because I was going to appointments. I was the one calling, right? Mm-hmm. Doing dispo, doing doing all of that. And so everyone that's listening that's got a job, that's trying to figure out how to exit it, I just want to impart how important it is. It's not just like don't look at this as a side hustle because side hustle is, in my mind, five, ten hours a week. Yeah. Like you got to look at this like it's another baby. Yeah. you got to be treating it. All your extra time and energy has got to be going towards that if you're going to ever exit your yeah. W-2 job. Basically, if, you, if you're looking to replace it, you need to be almost trying to work as much many hours a week on that as you work on your job you know is actually physical physically possible it's only 24 yeah. hours in a day but give it all you got until you know your brain has to cut off or your eyes have to shut you know? <laughs> yeah basically until it turns so off it. for sure um one thing i want to say when we were dallas or we live you lied to me you told me what i tell you whataburger is the best burger <laughs> and you're like you gotta go you gotta go you gotta go and I went there at 3 a.m. It was not the best burger I ever had. I don't know if we want to talk about it here. What, do. <laughs> what type of burger did you have, Steve? You didn't have I, the right burger, I man. I don't know. It was some breakfast thing. I don't know. Ah, see, yeah, you remember? And I told you, I said, man, it's not known for breakfast. It's known, known for it the burger. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. What else am I going to eat? A double cheeseburger, man. Man, I didn't know. You weren't there. You weren't there to support me. I went there with somebody else. And- it was not the best burger I ever had. You promised me it was going to be the best. It Next wasn't. time you come to Texas, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to point you the right thing on the menu. All right. I appreciate that. All right. So you mentioned you partnered up with Byron. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that evolution because you already had a business. Yeah. And Byron already had a business. Right. Why did you guys partner up? Oh, man. I'm, I love this question. So um, it's funny. Uh, Keith Everett, right? Mm-hmm. Real good friend of mine. We actually, I think it was 2019. We actually went to me and a, a couple other guys, Armani, uh, my, his partner in Dallas. We actually went to Alabama just to kick it. It was really just to hang out, right, uh, in Alabama. Uh, and while we were there, we kind of talked about, you know, some some systems and things like that. And, you know, I kind of had a little chip on my shoulder, kind of like, you know, some realtors do, right, mm-hmm. about wholesaling, right? Not that I felt like I was bigger than it, but I was just kind of like uh, – now that I, I left my job or I'm leaving my job, like as soon as I leave my job, I'm not really into that. And, and, and I, I, I voiced that to Keith, how I felt about the wholesaling part, right? Mm-hmm. And Keith was like, bro, it sounds like you just need a partner. Man, you know, he said, man, it's like you just need a partner. You just need that integrator. And I was like. Man, that's the head motion he would make. Yeah. And, and I said, <laughs> man, I said, but I, yeah, but who? And he said, man, and he threw out a couple names. And the first one, I was like, ah, oh, no, nah, he's in a different state. And then he actually tossed out Byron because, you know, I was like, mm, I never thought about that. Yeah. Right. Um, and he, he broke it down as far as what Lenny brings to, to him. And, you know, because a lot of people see one side of the business, but they don't know. People know the Warren Buffetts, but they don't know the Charlie Mungers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought about it, and a light bulb went off. I went back to Texas, and uh, I reached out to Byron because we would talk. And he, it's crazy because he would tell me his struggles in his business, and he would ask me questions, mm-hmm. and I would give him advice. But And I'm just thinking, like, why is he stressing out trying to build this wholesale operation? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, just buy more rentals, you know, <laughs> creatively, right? Um, and when I came back, I actually proposed it to him. Mm-hmm. He was he was down for the idea, um, and man, it was the best decision I ever made. 
Yeah. Uh, because uh, Byron is really good on the systems, the number, the numbers, the the leader, the leadership, like like that side of the business. Um, and so it was just kind of like a perfect, you know, I, I needed an integrator. Yeah. Um, and when we put those two together, man, it's just, you know, uh, I, I couldn't wait. You know, he was like, hey, man, chicken hoods. I'm like, man, I, I, let, let me send them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when everything really started to kind of take off when uh, when uh, Byron came aboard. So that was the reason for the partnership. Um, and then it really kind of made me feel a lot better about, you know, continuing to build like a wholesale operation. Uh, when was this? We partnered, it's been about two, a little over two years now. Hmm. I'm wondering, I remember there was a post, I think Keith made, I think it was about you. And I'm wondering if that was the post, like we had like a talk or something. I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was a while, while back. Anyway. Good decision though. Um, so Byron wasn't even with you. It was just. Yeah, it was just me going hang out. It wasn't a mastermind. It wasn't, we were just going just kick it, you know, because yeah. a lot of times you get real close with people mm-hmm. uh, over the internet, but you don't know them personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we were just going kicking in Alabama. Um, and of course, they, real estate came up. We're talking real estate. Of course, real estate comes you up. Know, I had a few bitter words about like the wholesale. So, whole, so I'm like, it was cool, but I mean, we just, I'm just wholesaling so just so I could get a lead to give them multiple offers, right. just so I could get the property long term, right? Yep. And, yeah, he he gave me that advice, and that was really good advice. So you said took off. So what is what were you doing, and what what have you done since? Right. So around then, man, I was probably I got to the point where I was probably averaging about twenty to you know maybe you know twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, often sometimes I would have months where I do you know ten thousand. Um, every once in a while, I have a month where I don't do any deals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, still had the 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 uh you know the the rentals the foundation, so when me and Byron got together, um, I'm not sure how long it took, but I know our first uh, six figure month was mm-hmm. uh, February of 2020. Um, uh, we did 124 six. Um, July of 2020, we did about 130 thousand in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot the week, but it was in July. And yeah. matter of fact, I made a YouTube video and kind of posted all the receipts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's the difference, you know. Twenty to thirty thousand by myself, you know, had a, a six figure week. I, I was, I thought that was impressive, you know. Oh no, no that's huge. You know? That's a huge jump. Uh, one thing um, I think we talked about this before was that you've got this big social media following. Mm-hmm. You've got this brand. But you were like, how do I, I think we were talking about maybe like being continuous or being consistent with it. Yeah. Because you feel like, I don't know. Lost touch. Yeah. You just don't feel like posting content all the time is what you need to do. And I think I was telling you, he's like, no, that's exactly what you need to do because there are other people with jobs that are trying to quit their jobs. Yeah. And that was some great advice, man. I really appreciate you, Steve. I I mean, because you kind of caught me at a point where I was having this. I don't know what you call it, mm-hmm. but uh, like identity crisis. Because uh-huh. uh, when I quit my job, it's kind of man, that's the biggest goal. But the following was built because I was kind of doing the Gary V thing, but by accident, mm-hmm. right? I would be in my uniform and I would be going on seller appointments and I would videotape me shaking the seller's hand. And then two weeks, three weeks later, they would see me cashing the check. Mm-hmm. And it was all just, just me being like transparent and open. And a lot of people, you know, they look at this, they see all the checks, but they like, man, but how? But how? And I was taking people in seller appointments with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really kind of feel like I pioneered that, you know, because it was way back in 18. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's what had all of the, what's it called, the engagement going crazy and everything. 
But once I quit my job, Steve, that was my goal. But once I quit my job and I got a team, I'm at home most of the day with my wife. And so I kind of felt bad about posting content because I'm like, I'm not doing all that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I am. The right. company is. So I couldn't. It was hard to make the switch. Like, do now do I just make a video from my house in my in my, my room, my office, or my kitchen. So I'm glad that you kind of pointed that out. I, I still haven't really got there. <laughs> it doesn't feel comfortable as it, it did. You know? yeah. Just pulling out my phone and just showing you what I'm doing because I'm in it. Yeah, I know. But still, I go back and arguing yeah. that it's that um, it's showing what, what's possible, right? Like yeah. when, people, when, when people are taking pictures of checks, they're showing what's possible if you hustle, if you wholesale. And we're, you know, we're showing like it's possible to quit your job if you chase this, right? So it's just kind of showing what's possible. Um, and then we had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. And while the mic was off, uh, we were talking about, like, you know, favorite episodes. Yeah. And uh, you asked me, and I shared with you, like, my, one of my favorite episodes. My favorite episode is, is Heim, right? And, I said, and you asked me why, of all of them, you know, we've done so many, like, why Heim? And I said, because Heim's the only one that started for time and financial freedom and still is doing this business time of financial freedom because we get caught in the comparison contest mm-hmm. you know i gotta beat this guy i gotta beat that guy like how many did you do last month all right and so um you want to talk about that like what what how what, what your thoughts were on that yeah so i mean it, like that was kind of a little guilt trip i i had as well because my whole goal was like because when i was working i was working 50 to 70 hours a week exceptional company however I shift work and it's almost like a hospital where there is no off days right mm-hmm. um, if you're on the schedule for Christmas you work on Christmas Thanksgiving you work on Thanksgiving really? oh yeah that's how it was right but it's kind of like you know are you I'm working for the, one of the top three companies in the world right mm-hmm. since the last 10 decades right I mean the last decade right so um, what happened was I was getting to the point where man I would miss Thanksgivings, Christmases, um, you know, we would they would have wedding receptions where my wife would be dressed up and go alone, and it would say, "Where's Brian? He's at work, right? He's working nights tonight, right?" Um, uh, all type of event, baby showers, and that was one of the really when it really turned up the conviction in me to like really replace a job. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do, like you said, is I just wanted the freedom, um, and now I kind of. Like you said, kind of like Heim, um, I kind of got what I want, uh-huh. <laughs> right? And so I kind of like, I, you're right, I, I kind of throttle it. So I, yeah. I, I don't work 40-plus hours a week, um, you know. I wouldn't say uh, we're, we're still we're still you know building and growing, but yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's I think it's whatever you want, you know. Well, I think, and that's the last part, right? It's whatever you want. Yeah. And so, like, remember why you started time freedom, financial freedom, mm-hmm. whatever is that you know we all get caught in this comparison game and we forget what we wanted you know steve i think that uh we get brainwashed by someone else's views of success Mm -hmm. and i think that if you can reflect and think about the times you feel the most joy not pleasure joy Mm -hmm. there's a difference between love and lust right joy Mm -hmm. that real joy that's success yeah try to get more of that yeah and that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that's a great point, though. I think everyone needs to remember that. So, what's your business looking like today? Um, so uh, I think it's uh, about eleven of us. Um, have a dif- dispositions manager. Um, have uh, two acquisition managers, eight cold callers. We also have an admin. She basically handles everything like payroll and all that stuff. 
um, and and also she does all like all the data pulling and everything like that. And then we have like a um, we call it a, a data analyst. He basically handles uh, the integration between Podio and Power BI and mm-hmm. all of our metrics. Um, and then Byron and myself. So Power BI. Yeah, Power BI is Microsoft. It's kind of like a you ever heard of Plecto? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like. Plecto, however, it it doesn't have a fancy UI. It's like you could build it however you want. Mm. It's like a it's like a Podio version of Plecto. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So, what was that like when you guys married? Right, like you and uh, you and Byron, like you guys had you had a business, he had a business, mm-hmm. and you guys merged it. Uh, for those people that are thinking about partnering up, what was that process like? Perfect question. So, uh, as far as on my end. Uh, it was just it was just me and two lead managers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my mother was part of my business. She's a hustler. She's crazy. She's actually TC, the transaction coordinator. She's really good at it. Um, but then I had another lead manager. So that's all that I uh, I had. Um, and I came over. Of course, I have my personal you know rentals. Um, but that's all I had. So when we partnered, I brought them them two over. Mm-hmm. And connected with what he already had, and I think he probably had like five people on the team at that time, four or five, right? Um, as far as the you know legality, you know, we went ahead and um, amended you know the operating agreement, um, you know everything, the LLC, bank accounts, and everything like that. We split down the middle, um, and that's what it's that's what it's been. Did you call him Woody? No, I said that's what it's been. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, and and since then, uh, you know, we've we've hired together, we fired together, and you know, yeah. and now it's just a normal partnership. Um, so during the crisis, you know, everyone kind of responded a little differently. You know, some people kind of put their head in their turtle shell. Uh, some people went harder. What did you guys do? We didn't do we didn't do neither. We just we kept doing what we was doing. Um, and we did notice for probably about uh, 45 days, we did notice the sellers pull back a little bit. Uh, I just want to wait to this. I want to wait till we see what's going on with this, right? Um, and then it seemed like people noticed that this ain't going away. This is new world, mm-hmm. right? And then it got back to normal. So yeah. that's what happened. We didn't scale up marketing. We didn't slow down marketing. But we did notice uh, kind of like a drop in uh, activity um, and, and sellers willing to kind of move forward with the sale. Uh, but like I said, after probably about 45, 60 days, people started acting normal. So did your business go up or did it stay even? Um, no. Or during like uh, like 30 days, we definitely had a dip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think, what, I'm trying to think, when was cold? I think, bro, we had a bad month. We had a month that we did like $30,000. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that was like right when you know, that COVID, the COVID just shook everybody up and nobody could think of anything except this, you know, this, uh, this thing that's going around. So, All right. So Byron is the, the mad genius. It sounds like <laughs> right? the genius behind the computer. a different type of mad genius, <laughs> but he's the genius yeah. behind the computer for sure. You're out in the field. Uh, neither one of us in the field. Acquisition okay. managers in the field. Okay. So then what are you responsible for? Yeah. So, um, of course, just the uh, the creative finance piece, putting together, you know, making sure that leads that come through our pipeline, we fully assess it and make sure that we're not leaving anything on the table. Can we structure this a different way? Can we offer this seller something different so we can monetize this lead? So that's one thing, bringing that to the table, right? Because a lot of people miss out on a fortune because they can't evaluate a deal other than assign it to a cash buyer. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. 
training and coaching. I'm the teacher. I'm Got still it. the teacher by heart, right? So uh, acquisition managers, I'm teaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, every, every, when it comes to teaching, um, motivation, culture, ideas, you know, that's kind of where, you know, where I kind of shine at. Got so, it. And marketing. I, I handle marketing too. Okay. Yeah. So what you just described as far as a creative guy, squeezing the juice out of, out of every single deal because who knows how much money we're throwing away. I want to hire that guy to work for us. How do I find a guy that's like that, that's sharp, that would want to work for somebody? That's a good question. I, 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 think, I think you have to have already, you train that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't even want to. I don't know the answer to that. So why had you come out here? By, come on. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. You know, so cause we, I'm gonna tell you what we've done. Yeah. Right. Um, our top acquisition manager, man, he's he's a killer, and mm-hmm. he's an older guy. He's like 52. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we we taught. He he's just a closer. He's a real kind of kind of got a narcissistic personality. But man, he's he's, he's a closer. closer. He's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a closer. He runs people, but he but he's a closer. Um, and we just put a few more tools in his tool belt and mm-hmm. it just made him that more more dangerous. Got it. And then our other acquisition manager uh, which also is a realtor, um, you know, he kind of had a blurry vision of it, you know, looking at YouTube or whatever and we just crystallized that vision so he could really understand it. Now they're equipped. Mm-hmm. Now they go to seller uh, talk to sellers and um, they can make more than one offer. So the cash isn't a fit. So they're ready. They have the tools. So your job is to make sure that they didn't miss anything. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then you've got the app. What's the app? Man, the, the app is any deal. So, like I said, when I was working 50 to 70 hours a week, um, you know, I'm like, man, they got full-time investors out here, man. How am I going to keep up and grab the deals when I'm stuck at work all day and they're out there in the streets? And how I originally learned this uh, real estate and how I was originally taught wasn't wholesaling. I was taught when I came into the game in 2014, I, I didn't wasn't taught wholesaling. I was taught, hey, your goal as an invest- investor is to find motivated sellers. These are all different ways you could complete a transaction. When the lead comes in, based on what the seller needs, you put it in that box. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned. Um, you know, everybody comes up under a different type of philosophy. Yeah. Um, and so that 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 way of doing it was so effective for me because it just allowed me, okay, if they won't accept a deep discount and willing to give their property away for pennies on a dollar, I have a way that I can offer them more, right, that they're happy with. And also it's going to make me money and, you know, set me up financially in the future. So based on that multiple offer strategy, we created AnyDeal. And AnyDeal is just a mobile app that allows you to analyze and make multiple offers to a seller. So you could ask from your cell phone, you can actually send a seller a letterhead template that has, you know, you know, one to three offers. And what I found, Steve, is that because, you know, I admire the hardcore closers. What I admire is you don't even have to do all of that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to convince a seller of nothing. You talk to them. You make a friend. You build rapport, right? Just like a doctor. Does it hurt here? Uh, when does it hurt? Um, okay. Um, and how long have you been noticing this, right? Mm-hmm. I get all the symptoms, mm-hmm. and then I give you a prescription. Yeah. But it's not my idea. I just put it in the air. What if? And they usually grab it. People want to feel like they made their own decision. Mm-hmm. So when I when I send this to you via text, email, right, mm-hmm. or over the the counter, uh, the tabletop, you know, Mr. Seller, based on what you sh- shared with me, blah blah blah, this this and that, you know, recapping, you know, um, here's what I can do, right? 
you let me know which one is a better fit. Yeah. And now they feel like, whoa, I got options. I'm not, this is not this investor that's coming to my house, jumping on my floors, like looking at my roof and, <laughs> you know, trying to make me feel bad about my property, man. Right. He cares and he gives me options. Mm -hmm. And before I give those options of how I could purchase the property, I'm already going to give you your other options that doesn't even involve me. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Listen to what the realtor, um, renting it, mm -hmm. keeping it, right? Et cetera. Right. And it just works like really well. And then do you track what your average fee is? Uh, average deal size? Mm-hmm. Ass uh, assignment fee? Yeah. So we're at like 8500 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get that up. But yeah, that's uh, our average uh, assignment fee. And then to do the kind of deals you guys are doing right now, what are you guys spending every month on marketing? Uh, guess what, man? We don't even actually spend a fortune on marketing. Um, I think last month we only spent like three grand. Dang. The the most we've ever spent in a month was eleven thousand. Yeah, but Man. we average about six thousand dollars a month on, on. That's not like the uh, the average about six thousand. And about total overhead, including office space, everybody. I we, you know we work from home. Uh, that's a number that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like just off top, um, let me see some numbers I know off the top of my head. Um, I know cost per lead for RVM where we're at right now. Uh, we're at 38 bucks uh, cost per lead. Uh, cold calling, we're like $41 cost per lead. Um, so those some other. Um, we also, we were trying Facebook, but our cost per lead was pretty high. So mm -hmm. our average cost per lead, but we just shut that off, is like $68. But we just, you know, shut Facebook off for now. Gotcha. Um, uh, Corey Guzman wants to know, uh, who mentored you? Who? I, I, how, how did you learn, the, who did you learn the creative game from? A couple of guys, man. Um, uh, Ron Legrand, um, uh, Phil Puskiowski, um, and just the internet, and and some local guys, local guys that you know, just some old guys nobody would know that's in my market <laughs> that <laughs> just kicking up dust. It's crazy how much those older guys know. Oh man, and they don't tell anybody. No, they're quiet. Like that's no the, brand or nothing. That's the one thing. I was like, I, I know some of these old school guys. I would never want to negotiate against them. Like I just. They, they got some people like you know that nobody would know that's just doing such crazy you know things and they've mm -hmm. been doing it for decades yeah. right um you know so many like creative strategies uh go and pay people's taxes and and you know find out a way to eventually get the possession of the property so yeah there's some crazy crazy ideas out there yeah um so toby uh Ema wants to know what's your take on um you know, being in a saturated market and still trying to do deals. Man, I don't think there's no such thing. So when you talk saturation, I mean, I think, you know, competition. So, of course, the the thing that's normally affected when there's a lot of people who's highly competitive is usually your cost per lead goes up. That's mm -hmm. been my experience, right? Um, however, I think a better approach is to find a niche or an angle that everybody else, because people are lazy, People are just going to go for the path of least resistance, right? So find that area, that niche that you really can just be the best at. And whatever your perceived competition is, it just goes away. Right. You know, that's a great, great point. And Francisco uh, Jasa wants to know, what are the rule of thumbs for seller finance terms? Seller finance terms. Number one, the property has to pay for itself, right? Mm -hmm. Property has to pay for itself. Um, another thing with creative finance, one of my rules of thumb uh, aside that the property needs to pay for itself, don't go through the first, don't go through the entrance unless you already know the exits. 
And this is for safety anyway. Mm-hmm. In this crazy world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. If I go in the movie theater, I already want to know the exits, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so be in a position where you have a plan uh, uh, B, C, etc. So that's that's two. So make sure you have multiple exits before you go to the, through the front door. Um, make sure the property can pay for itself. Um, also, uh, the the best of the best creative finance guys knows this. Just like a wholesale deal where, you know, your buyer, you don't close the transaction. The, the buyer's funds closes the mm-hmm. transaction on a wholesale deal. Right. Same thing with creative finance. When you contract a creative finance deal, whether it's subject to wholesale, wraparound mortgage, lease option, ideally before you close escrow, right, you're marketing to find that buyer, whether it's an owner finance buyer, a tenant buyer, Right. So that's another tip is get your buyer lined up mm-hmm. right before you close. Like I, if I if I, I'm not going to close naked, if I don't have to closing naked means that I close the deal and now I'm going to do whatever I need and then market it It's kind right. of, because you got holding costs. Right. So that's another like rule of thumb. That's just a few off the top of the head. What's your favorite tool as far as creative finance? Actually, owner finance is number one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not subject to. Yeah. It's, it's number is number one, even though the majority of my portfolio is subject to, right? Well, because yeah. people are usually more motivated when they don't have many options, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Usually, when somebody has a house free and clear, it's kind of like oh, I got all this equity. So, but owner finance, of course, over subject to, because of course, all of these things that people are scared about, which you can also mitigate, right? Mm-hmm. Like an underlying mortgage on in somebody else's name, and all that. You ain't got to worry about none of that. Owner finance. It's just me. Sleep and you. real good with owner finance. Sleep real good with owner finance. And also, guess what? You could do on owner finance that you can't do on subject two. That I do a lot. What's that? You can negotiate zero percent interest. Right. And you can't even do that if you got excellent credit. Mm-hmm. Principal right. only payments. Yeah. So, owner so, finance number one. Got it. Uh, and then uh, Nelson wants to know: Can you talk about you selling wholesale deals using the MLS? <laughs> oh, <laughs> spicy. Okay. Um. So. Uh, what happens in this? I mean, uh, how deep did uh, you, you want to go? So, let's go. We got time. Okay. So, so basically, on a strategy like this, what we do is uh, we get a deal under contract at the deepest discount possible with the seller, right? Mm-hmm. And then we market our equitable interest on the MLS in the agent to agent remarks. Of course, we disclose mm-hmm. that the seller is a principal in the transaction, marketing equitable interest. Now, here's the tricky part that people don't know. And I'm telling you, some of the top gurus, I, you know, I've seen it. They say you can't do this. I'm like, no, we, we do it. <laughs> uh, so when your buyer comes, right? Because you can't wholesale deal unless when you're, you if you do that, you got to say cash only. Mm-hmm. When your buyer comes, let's say conventional loan, FHA loan. Of course, with the underwriter, they're they're going to want the actual person on title to be on the contract. So what we do is rapport has to be built, and there's a way that we kind of explain this to the seller, right? Our buyer goes under contract with our seller and of course yes they see that that's not the price that you agreed on mm-hmm. but there's you know we have how we kind of talk to them and you know where they're okay with it right mm-hmm. and at that point it's a normal transaction there's no title seasoning involved right because we right. haven't changed title yet and instead of an assignment fee we get paid from a memo release mm-hmm. so we reverse engineer and calculate you know the agent that because we do we do calculate the 3% to the buyer's agent, mm-hmm. and we try to get a flat fee listing on the seller's side to get it on the MLS to get this maximum exposure. All right. And then it closes and we get paid from MML release. That's how we pull that off. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, and then, let's see. 
A lot of people tell us what we should be doing to be successful in this. What are the top three things that we shouldn't do? Great question by Don Rich. Three things people should not do in this business. Uh, be an info junkie. And because when you get too many types of ideas and and inputs, you usually just freeze up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like with sellers, a confused mind says no. When I'm talking to a seller, until we get to like the final thing, I'm not talking subject to. They don't know what that is. It's gonna scare. It's gonna scare them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want the easiest way to get the. Uh, let me talk to my attorney. Objection. Start saying words that the seller don't understand. All right. So I would say. Um, I would say not getting too many inputs because a confused mind says no. And also, if somebody uh, uh, trying to you know get traction, if they're confused because they have too many, this person says do this, this person says that, don't do, they end up doing nothing until in their mind they figure it out. Right. And it's just kind of like a bad place to be. You just kind of like just don't do anything. Yeah, that's one. Uh, another. More. Yeah. So another one is uh, consistency. I. I I know it sounds so cliche, but if you're consistent, you actually don't have to just exert so much effort. I know you know about the old like fable, like the tortoise and the hare, mm-hmm. but it's it's a parable that is so true. Yeah. This person is a Ferrari. Phew, then he stops. Phew, then he stops. And this person is just, mm-hmm. you're going to get there. Yeah. So just don't stop. Keep going. Um, the third one, oh, the third one probably should have been number one. Surround yourself with the best of the best. Yeah. So then I guess the don't do is just to stay away from oh, toxic people. Don't do. Yeah. yeah. Don't do. So don't try to try to avoid people with limiting beliefs, people that make you that that question if you can do it. Mm. If you're around somebody and the energy and the vibe you get when you leave that person's presence, you feel um if if you feel uh uh Less discouraged. Confidence. Yeah, less confident, discouraged. That's not the right energy you need to be around. Yeah. So, and I think that's a great, great point. Uh, Justin Herring wants to know. So you're sending multiple offers at a time. Yeah, and it works like magic. Yeah. Yeah. And Frederick Giggle wants to know how do you get that app? Uh, the AnyDealApp.com. It's on iOS. It's on Android. Uh, CJ Wilson wants to know: Are you open up opening up your course again? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm working on it, um, man. We've been focused on the business, man. We really, <laughs> really inv- investors, man. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, do you use a different strategy to find owner finance buyers? Um, y- yeah, slightly. Um, what we found is that owner finance buyers, we found the best thing that works is Facebook Marketplace and Bandit Signs. They work really, really, really well for that. For cash buyers, you know, we kind of do reverse lookups, you know, data, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Close comps, skip trace them, reverse list source hack, things like that. But Facebook and uh, Bandit Signs for owner finance, lease option buyers. Cool. Well. And Alexis Adams wants to know, what list are you pulling for creative finance? Pulling a lot. Of course, absentee owners. I mean, it's the uh, bre- uh, one of the bread and butters. Matter of fact, on my very last YouTube video, I dropped a, a, a list that we've been pulling. It's, you could just fast forward to the end of the video. I do a little quick training. A list that we've been pulling that's been hot, right? And it's, uh, it's a, a prop stream list, and I walk everybody through the filters we pull. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the lists that's been really hot. Another list is uh, expired listings, right? So people that have raised their hand to sell, but they're, they were unsuccessful. High days on market, 
right? So mm. people that have, uh, and what's high to me is at least like five months. Or, you know, you could stick with six months, 180 days. Yep. So people that, um, their par- property has been on the market a while. And then Ben wants to know, what are the uh, three offers that you usually send? Uh, cash is going to be first. Mm-hmm. Um, the next, if uh, the property has a mortgage, is going to be subject to. Uh, and, you know, and so I might do two variations of subject to, right? One, um, one might be like long term and one might have a balloon on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have a, uh, if they don't, if they own it free and clear, it's going to be something like cash. Owner finance with maybe like a little down payment, a really small down payment. And the third is going to be owner finance, but it's going to be like no down payment, but it's going to be, you know, like longer term. So they kind of like looks like as you go down, you get more money, but I give you less up front. Yeah. So. Uh, Jory Alston says that he loves those 0% interest deals. I think everyone does, Jory. <laughs> What's going on, Jory? <laughs> All right. So let's just like uh, pretend, you know, um, you're at the house. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you, you talk about presenting the offers, but you also have to explain it. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think a lot of people screw up, you already talked about the way first, the best way to get the attorney involved is say sub to <laughs> and use all these other big words. Yeah. So let's pretend I'm a homeowner and I have no idea what's going on. Right. How are you going to pitch this to me? It's creative finance. Creative finance. Let's okay. just say I got a mortgage on it. Got you. You know, you know, so Mr. Seller, you know, if I was going to pay cash for your property, I'm going to, you know, need to be somewhere between, you know, 60 to $70,000. I'm going to shut up. You know? Wow. Okay. Okay, it, it's like, you know, so, and it depends as far as the pre-conversation, if I'm even saying that right, because there's a bunch of other stuff, you know, we didn't talk about, um, you know, so then what I'm going to do is I'm going to play, see, instead of talking too much, I'm going to play dumb, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to play dumb, you know, so when I get that emotion from you, just kind of like, you know, like, God, you're defeated, oh, man, he's camera, I'm going to mimic that. And like almost like I'm trying to figure it out too, but I don't know what I already got. Like, you know, you know, Mr. Seller, what if there is a way that I can take over on your mortgage payments and get you cashed out down the road? Does that sound like something we should talk about? Or probably um, not. Um no, that's that's what what does that look like? Yeah, great question. So um so Steve, uh how that will work is actually we would actually uh make take over on the mortgage payments. All right. So we'll be making payments directly to the bank on your behalf. Um, so all this stuff, taxes, insurance, maintenance, all that stuff will be off for you. Of course, the loan will remain your name. And uh, when the market allows, uh, we'll get, you know, get that cashed out. What happens if you miss a payment? Um, that's a great question. Um, so <laughs> what happens if I miss a payment? All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, that's going to affect your credit. I don't want you to mess up my credit. Yeah. So, Mr. Seller, um, actually, uh, we're in the business to make money. This is an investment for us. So, of course, that makes uh, you know no sense for us. But there's, you know, we can actually structure this in a way that you know, if we become 30 days past due, you actually get the property back and all the improvements we've made, the down payment we've given you, the the debt pay down, um, you know, all that goes to you. So we actually get to shorten the stick. So. All right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like you know wh- where we go with that. Really, the 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 basis is that's the subject two, mm-hmm. but um, also even with subject two and seller finance, this is how simple I make it for a third grader, Steve. You know, Steve, what if there's a way that I could give you more money? Um, you wait. You know, Mrs. Uh, you know, Steve, 
there there's a way that I can work with you. I can you know come closer to your asking price. Um, you know I I think I can help you out. If uh, what if there's a way I can give you more money? I mean, is that something we should talk about? Or probably not. So what I'm doing is getting micro commitments right. because you don't want to talk like say too much because it's too much for them to digest. I just want them to agree to one little concept, right? Go a step further, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, basically the premise is I can give you more money if you're willing to give me more time. Does that right. sound fair? Very so fair. Like, so, uh, one thing I'm working on for mm-hmm. our sales training is just a list of words that we're no longer allowed, allowed to, to say. Allowed to say, yeah. right? What sub, are some of those? Uh, sub two. Sub two, yeah. <laughs> Terms, retail, ARV, right? You got a list of words that are no nos. I got a couple, not that many. Um, yeah. uh, contract is definitely one. Yeah. Subject two is one. Wraparound mortgages. <laughs> wraparound. <laughs> wraparound mortgages. Man, one. I can't imagine the seller's face when you say wraparound mortgage. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? That's actually, I think, that's actually one of the safest terms offers. I mean. Well, it probably is. But you try is. to say wraparound. Like, what Wrap- oh, like, man. What? Wrap- bank fraud. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't really have that, that, that many. Um, what I tell my, uh, my people is just, first of all, I don't talk too much. You need to be active listening. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and don't try to make yourself sound smart. All right. You know, uh, make it simple as a third grader. And another thing, if you don't know the answer, don't try to make it up because they're going to catch you. Oh. And people are going to respect if you do something like this, you know. So what happens if something, 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 you know. You know, actually, Mr. Sell, that's a great question. Um, let me uh, speak with my attorney, and I can get you that answer in an uh, in a, in a hour. How does that sound? And they respect that mm-hmm. because they see you leverage experts. Mm-hmm. You know, let me uh, actually get with my uh, title company about that, and I can have you answer by the end of the day. Right. And people think that if someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, it discredits you. But I'm telling you, if you sh- be confident in what you know and what you don't know, you just say, let me leverage my expert. Yeah. They like it. So Let me go YouTube too. that for you. Let me go YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, say that. Uh, David Galan wants to know, have you tried doing anything as creative as far as using Bitcoin? No. No. <laughs> I'm mad I missed the wave, though. Yeah. Uh, Max Maxwell, uh, uh, during Close Olympics, he's like, Steve, why didn't you offer that guy Bitcoin? He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there was this guy who wanted to, uh, he wanted me to give him 80,000 gold, right? And I was actually totally open to doing it, but um, he's like, man, why'd you offer that guy Bitcoin? I was like, I've never thought to offer a person Bitcoin. But what was he trying to avoid taxes or something? Yeah, an IRS judgment. They didn't want to get paid on at, at closing. That it's is like, creative. Right? It's like I want to get paid outside escrow. I was like, well, what does that look like? He's like, I want eighty thousand gold. Like, <laughs> Bring him a gold bar. I mean, for the number he wanted, it made sense, but I couldn't commit to that. Um, you know, in front of a thousand people. <laughs> it was oh, like me and you in the living room. I was like, got yeah, you. I can do that. Like, yeah, like, let's, let's go. To, let's go to the. Uh, the gold metal place right now. Um, yeah. So, guys, ask any more questions. We got we got Brian here. He's doing deals creatively. Oh, you know what we, what we didn't talk about? Um, so, you, one thing we talked about was you're feeling a little guilty about working 20 hours a week. Yeah, but you made me feel so much better when you tell yeah. me about your favorite interview. Right. Yeah. So, right now, for most people, they're so busy working, hustling, and grinding. If they can get it done under 60 hours a week, they're feeling pretty good. It's like even 40 is tough. Yeah. What are you doing to make that happen? To get it to 20. Bro, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest 
things that I had. And, and this is just based on my experience. I don't know if this is the secret sauce, but a great team. Mm-hmm. Man, having the right people work uh, for your team and with you uh, does it all, you know, it does everything. So when you can close your eyes, when you can leave um, and you know that you have real hustlers that's going to put up buckets, right? When you know that on that court, right, when you sprain your ankle, the, the score, you not, guys are not going to get behind by 30, 40 points. You can actually take a breather. Mm-hmm. I think that's the secret. So the secret uh, for us being able to do that is being able to let the, the power players do what they do and then just offer support and guidance. Yeah. So then how do you get those players? Um, I think the people you attract are going to be a reflection of you. Because naturally, uh, you know, Steve, if, if I don't respect you, mm-hmm. if I don't believe in you, I'm probably not going to work for you. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because for somebody to come work for you and feel like there's security in, because most people, they got families. To right. feel security that, you know, I'm just as safe as a normal job. I'm going to continue to have, you know, get you know get paid or whatever. Like, they got to believe in you. So I think um, working on yourself, uh, just probably not what you expected to hear, but I think working on yourself and being the person that you want to attract is probably the best way to get those people. So how do you work on yourself? Uh, personal development, man. Um, uh, um, personal development, that's a whole rabbit hole. And I went through that rabbit hole around 2013. I deleted all my social media. Um, uh, Jim Rohn is one of my favorites. And Jim Rohn's amazing. Man, I, I feel like that guy is one of, probably my mentor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, in that started the whole rabbit hole of the Bob Proctors, the Earl Nightingales, the, you know, all these people, um, Napoleon Hills. But, you know, you you know, when you start the personal development kind of little <laughs> rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you'll know what I'm talking about. So that's, that's how you do it. So the thing Learn the, the secrets here, of success. The key here, though, is you were doing that when you started a job. Yeah. See, when I had a job, I was uncoachable. <laughs> when I had a job, they're like, Steve, you should go uh, you should go to this thing we're doing, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I was like, I don't need that. What do I need that for? <laughs> right? Yeah. But in that, at that time, I was like, I'm working, you know, my job at Intel. Like, why do I need to be more effective? Like, I'm good. Yeah. But you were doing that while you had your job. And that kind of opened Yeah. And the reason the why is because I, I, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, this ain't working. Right? Yeah. Let me, I started searching for the secrets. And what I learned is, you know, the phrase, what, at, you know, asking you, you know, mm-hmm. if you go searching, right? This is not a word, but everything is figure outable, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go searching and looking, you know, instead of just sitting, I wish it could be better, you're going to find what you need. Right. And what I found was this area called personal development. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. Um, and once that personal development kind of met real estate, it was a nice chemistry. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so Max Jimenez, you saw him when you walked in. That's his guy, Jim Rohn. Right. Jim Rohn's his guy. So, who's who's guy? Max. Oh, really? Yeah, that's his guy. Like of all the stuff we've learned, all the stuff we've listened, all the personal development we've gone through, Jim Rohn's still his guy. See, I knew I like Max. Yeah, <laughs> man, there's so many things from Jim Rohn that I can like quote word for word in his voice, yeah. in his tonality. Yeah. Like he he was like one of the best. He was. He's the, the Jordan of, of that. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is still is like, "How do you how how do you stay so good?" It's like, man, I go to these seminars. <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> to listen to the guy. Um. All right, so Dominic Baca wants to know, just starting out two months in, he's got two deals in escrow, so great job. Another contract signed minutes ago. 
Great job, advice man. on next steps. Invest a portion of that back into marketing. <laughs> Don't make the mistake I made. And do it again. <laughs> and do it again. And do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, also uh, document what it took for you to do those deals. Yeah. I think that's big. And you're talking about documenting on social media. No, I'm talking, talking about, about documenting on Word doc. No, I'm talking about uh, the KPIs. Yeah. Like to do those, how much did you spend? How mm -hmm. long did it take? How many people you talked to? Mm -hmm. You know that. Yeah. I would say also do document on social media. Um, Nelson Castillo, uh, Del Castillo wants to know, are you guys uh, 100% commission or are they salary or what? Uh, we got different roles. Um, so acquisitions, dispositions, 100% commission, our admin, our KPI, ad admin that does payroll, the KPI that does analytics, and our cold callers are all uh, salary hourly. But acquisitions, dispositions, commissions cool. only. And Johnny Macon wants to know how many rentals did you have before you quit your job? Uh, probably about twelve. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then Ron Ward wants to know uh, what are some of the KPIs you focus on in your business on a daily basis? Leads, <laughs> number one. Cost per lead, probably number two. Um. Those are the, the top two, but we track a lot of stuff. We track, um, you know, uh, call dials, right, for the cold callers, the dials, the, the contact rate. We track cost per deal, cost per contract. Um, of course, deals sold, um, you know, a, a lot of stuff, marketing attempts. But the main two things, let me just, the main two things is leads and cost per leads is our top two. All right. So as a business owner, what KPI is Brian responsible for? Leads, cost Please. per leads. Um, so the marketing KPIs. Contracts, yeah. Acquisitions contracts. All right. So if the cost per leads go a little high, Byron can have a sit down with Brian. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just want to make sure. Uh, and then Justin Henry wants to know, what's your process when certain strategies are not working? Um, R&D, research and development. I mean, we, we, we break it down depending on where the problem is, right? Mm -hmm. um, if it's if it's a departmental thing uh, in that meeting, because um, how we do, we, we have meetings uh, during the week for every department. Uh, we have a sit down. Um, and, you know, during that meeting, that that come up in the issues component. And we'll just break it down like that. And that's the key is to talking about having a time every week to talk about issues. Uh, and then uh, Shard Bennett wants to know, do you still pay for trainings or mastermind groups with other seasoned investors? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is this TV going to occur? You like, hey, do whatever you want. Hell yeah. <laughs> Look, man, we practice what is, we preach, and I'm pretty sure you, Steve, still invest, you know, in these. Uh, matter of fact, I was just going to, um, you know, it didn't really allow on my schedule. Um, I was actually going to go, I think, to Cancun to a mastermind. Uh, not too long ago, you know, mm -hmm. thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, I know what Carlos and Sal. I, I invested in what momentum in 2019. Mm -hmm. Still, still to this day, I invest my money into more training and mentorship. And it's funny because you kind of see uh, people online just kind of like this and like they don't want to pay for course. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. The secret sauce is getting more education. Well, <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll live long enough to to f find out the cheat code. Or to learn the hard way to catch us. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's it's time or money. Time or money. Um, please give us some Jim. I don't know what that is. Uh, do you have... Um, oh, Jim. Give us some Jim. Jim Rohn. Got it. 
do you have VAs available for hires? No. Oh, no. Uh, I, I don't have a VA company, if that's what they're asking. Yeah. Um, let's see what else is there. What do you think got you from averaging 50K a month to 100K a month? A team and s- systems and, of course, um, KPIs. Just, I mean, just knowing what's working and what's not and being able to make that tweak in the right direction. Because if you're not tracking, you don't know what way you need to go. A real system. Uh, and Alexis wants to know how often do you market to the same list until you update the list? Great question. So it depends on um, like the list. Um, usually we update uh, our list like like something like um, pre foreclosures, right? We're we're probably uh, pulling that like weekly, but um, like absentee owners, like a ninety day stretch before we update it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tax delinquents. You know, we we'll market to those for uh, you know up to six months before we update those. And then Nelson Del Castillo wants to know how many cold call leads to do you need to close one contract to close in today's market? Well, that depends on your market. <laughs> what about you? Um, leads per contract. Off the top of my head, I don't know the number. And then uh, uh, House Buying Diddy says, what's up? Yo. All right, so... What... What is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, fulfillment. Fulfillment, I knew when I was teaching, I knew when I was working the oil and gas field, there was something in my gut, right? I don't have to get off philosophical. I, you just feel like this isn't it. So my why is just to feel that, that, that alignment, to do something that actually feels like this is why I'm here. Uh-huh. Um, Freedom is a, a part of that, but also impact. Um, and so that's the reason I'm doing it. When I, when I got into real estate, of course, it was for freedom um, and, and, and for f- financials. But I noticed something, Steve. I noticed when I got into real estate, because something about me, I love talking to strangers. I love meeting new people. Mm-hmm. I'm just genuinely curious about how people think, you know, what they're going through, why they did that, their life experience. When I got into real estate, I was like, yo, this is what this business is. Mm-hmm. This is the business for me. <laughs> so that's my why, man. It's, it's just fulfillment. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that my, my why is, uh, you know, uh, impacting people, being free, and doing what I want, you know, with uh, with, with my time. Doing something awesome. that makes me feel good, you know. Love it. Uh, and Chris Jefferson says hi as well. Um, CJ. Guys, please, if, if you guys are getting value today, please tag somebody. Let them know. Um, all right, and then Johnny Forte wants to know, are you using PPC? Not right now. Uh, we did rock with PPC for quite a while. I actually did PPC for about four, four or five years. Um, did we do any in 2020? So you got it when it was good. Yeah, yeah. Cost per lead kind of uh, drove up. Um, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, and and how here here's – I'm going to tell you one of the biggest issues we had with PPC – is that how our company is structured and how we set up because we're we don't do the office thing we really want that freedom and mobility um so uh response time ppc leads is not a type of lead that you could kind of wait because if they go to the top of the search engine they click this and they call you and you don't respond guess where they're going to the next one right so it's almost like it's like a game show you gotta (laughs) that's another reason because i set up it 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 was kind of we was missing yeah opportunities what is your biggest struggle right now? Sounds like everything's pretty good. Um, biggest struggle. 
I don't know, get, honestly, man, trying to f- figure out what to focus most time on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I'm still kind of, you know, not knowing. Is it, is it more into the business and trying to scale it even bigger? Is it to, is it uh, content and and, and and branding and just kind of putting more stuff out there? Is it, should I be trying to do more coaching? You know, like uh, all of that, you know, just finding what should uh, deserve the most of my time. Just kind of, you know, re- really still trying to uh, deep dive and, and, and figure out where you want to invest all that extra free time. <laughs> what have you done to figure out the answer? Obviously not the right thing. Um, <laughs> just just thinking, going going in, in circles. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, all right, so Mason Aiken wants to know, what percentage of your deals are you doing are traditional cash offer uh, wholesale deals? Um, so we're, we're about 30%. 30% creative finance, um, 70%. Um, you know, cash because you know, you know, I, I kind of talk uh, that noise about it, but it's the foundation. You know, yeah. it's the wholesale is the foundation. So everything we 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 set up is a wholesale operation, but we have the um, the systems to put it in the bucket that it needs to be in. Right. So the majority is still wholesale. So uh, Keith Everett wants to know then, how do you determine whether to wholesale or keep it? Right. If okay. To, to wholesale it or it to be like terms? No, to keep it. To keep it? As a rental. To keep it as a rental. Um, I'm not going to wholesale it at all if I could keep it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because wholesale it for what? You're going to wholesale it to, yeah. So, uh, so if, if it's up to you, you keep everyone as a rental. Absolutely. I mean, uh, just, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would try, so. All right. Um Another thing is this. Another thing, though, Steve, is the seller, right? Mm-hmm. So if a cash offer doesn't work for the seller, right? Then I'm trying to find out how I can give them more money, and of course, that's usually going to come up with me owning the property long term. Right. And then Shard, I don't know Shard or Charday. Uh, Bennett wants to know what separates you from other investors. Why should she buy your course versus anybody else's course? What course? Um. Uh. You get me. I mean, I'm pretty sure most most investors. Sure day, dang it. Yeah, most most investors, you're not getting their time anymore. Personally, yeah. yeah. The majority of them, right? It's it's, it's a, tough. It's it's actually a course, and right now I don't have a course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, you know, so I actually it's like more so group mentorship. So it's yeah. not kind of like, hey, go watch these videos. You know, you're on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you actually talk to me. Right. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, Johnny Forte wants to know: Are you using novation agreements to list the properties on MLS without buying it? I'm not, um, but I heard Pace Morby talk about it. I think Pace Morby's the man for that. Yeah, I, I, I know nothing about novation agreements. Oh, you and I could talk offline about that. Yeah. Um, why not do net listings in Texas? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. It's just not super popular. Um, because net listings are illegal in most states. Is it, let me let me. Cause, but it's legal in Texas. Let, let me let me back it up. Because I mean, it's been rusty. You know, I let my real estate license expire <laughs> the same year I got it. <laughs> I'm just playing like the next year. <laughs> so is net listings basically when it's kind of like anything over this is, is mine's? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, like cause God, we have. You just you might have put me on a gold mine, man. Maybe I need to reactivate it and. I think so because uh, novations are kind of tough in uh, in Texas uh, because they want the ER, the exclusive listing agreement. 
um, and the purchase contract signed by the sellers. Like the titles won't do it. You can't do power of attorney or anything like that in Texas, but you can do a net listing. So school me real quick. What is a novation agreement? Uh, novation is when you substitute. So I got, let's say you contract with the seller. Okay. Right. And then you got this agreement, like the very first deal you did where you substitute, or you're talking about release memorandum, right? Mm-hmm. You got paid to release a memo fee. Right. That's a novation. It's just substituting you as the buyer with the buyer you found from the MLS, and you got paid something to do it. So what you're doing is a release of memorandum. Other people would use a novation methodology where you're just substituting the contract, and you're getting paid the difference. Oh. Same exact concept that you talked about. So basically what I did. What you do. What? But you do it with a power of attorney. However, Texas, title companies don't like using a power of attorney. So people in our program, instead of using uh, innovation, we just tell them, go get your license and just do that. Yeah, Texas is a different beast, man. A yeah. lot of stuff I see other people do in other markets. Is if coming. they ever become their own country, I will go support you. Come you. I, I'm Texas. coming. I'm coming. <laughs> this country's going crazy. So, you know, a lot of people like to maybe take something down on their finance or subject to it and sell it on a lease option. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that would be my favorite combination or, or hybrid, right? Yeah. But, you know, because of, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, how, how, much things you have to go through it's easier and most attorney real estate attorneys just give them the deed mm-hmm. right because texas has one of the fastest foreclosure states mm-hmm. i just got a property back last month right um and and, and i had I got one property back had to go through you know attorney right and i got another property where the the buyer just did the right thing he was in there about uh, a year and like four months he couldn't afford it anymore him and his wife split and he just said mr brown i don't want to hold up your property you know i can't afford it man older guy i said look you know um you know mr carrie it actually and i agreed to actually give him some you know some money and uh you know and uh and, and deed the property back to me but uh it's better off in Texas, man. If you want to do something like that, just give them the deed. If they default, it's pretty simple to get the property back. Right. Versus like those other states. And then a, f- a follow-up question from Johnny Forte is, are you using forced appreciation on your rentals and creative deals to save on taxes? We mean forced appreciation, like improving uh, th- the property? I think they're probably saying like a really high price on, on a, well, I guess you're not selling it. So I'm not really sure. Uh, what is your superpower? That's a good one. I think I'm still figuring it out. You know, all all the people around me, you know, mm-hmm. friends, business partners, they all tell me about my superpowers, but I can't articulate it. I I mean, that that it's it's, but I don't know what it is. I I think it's people, man. I don't know. It's the ability to attract the ability to attract people and 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 put their guards down i don't, I don't know i mean i was gonna say you're like really really damn likable so maybe that's what it is yeah I, I can't put something i can't really put it in words but man i, I just thank god for whatever it is mm-hmm. and I, I know it's something so and, if i asked byron this question what would he say is your superpower probably getting attention mm-hmm. I, I don't know and, and having an eye just having an eye having an idea for creative solutions creative ideas being able to peep and you know just how my brain works mm-hmm. it, it really works really different than you know most mm-hmm. how I 
conceptualize things. So I, I, I don't know. Something along those lines. And if I asked Max, what would he say? He's going to say likable. Likable. Yeah, because me and Max talked about that. Man. Max, I mean, I give, man, I, I give Max a lot of credit for a lot of, you know, over these last few years, just kind of like, you know, you know the friendship, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he he basically said that he was like, bro, like we're kind of like uh, this is he, he spelled it out. He's like the same thing, likable, being able to talk and people listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, ability to connect. Say, yeah. Um. All right, and then uh, we'll wrap up with uh, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? <sighs> the greatest lesson that I learned. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it real estate, so the question would be easier for me to come up with an answer. Um, man, don't count your eggs before they hatch. Real estate, bro. <laughs> there's there's always another document that that's needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always something that could you know like in the hallway. I was just telling you, was asking me about my pipes, mm-hmm. and I said, yeah, I had a cu- couple pipes bust on a few properties I own, and then one that is in escrow that was supposed to close last Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the sellers, a pipe busted, and they got to pull up all the floors or whatever. So in real estate, man, do not get ahead of yourself counting chickens that haven't hatched because what, what's the, what law? I'm telling you. What's the, is it Murphy? Murphy's, uh, Murphy's law. Yeah. yeah. What can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. So that's my biggest lesson, man. Just going ahead <laughs> and counting the chicken. Oh, I just made, I got 30000 coming Don't in. spend that money yet. Yeah. All right, cool. So just think about a, a thought you want to leave the listeners with. Uh, guys, um, if you guys like this show, please like, comment, subscribe, share. It really helps us out, really helps us with our mission to create 100 uh, millionaires. Uh, and we do have a workshop coming up uh, on the 5th, so nine days from today. Um, so if you guys are interested, uh, let me know. We can uh, still send you up an, uh, an invite. And then next week we got Jerry Green and Josh Culler flying out here. Uh, talk about you know what they're doing in in Ohio. Uh, so last thoughts. Yeah. So I would say don't get hypnotized by society's view of what success looks like. Right. Run your own journey. Run your own race. Enjoy the present moment right now because as entrepreneurs, people that have high ambitions, we always want to push back success or happiness till you achieve a certain thing and it doesn't work like that right when i'll get this then i'll be happy when i achieve this then i'll truly be happy when i get here then it's there and it's just a rat it's a it's a race and you actually never it's like chasing the rainbow so find a way to enjoy life this moment and don't get hypnotized by other people's version of success run your race you know it's crazy this hit me when i I learned this. I read this. I've, I've, you know, multiple times you hear it, right? All right. So I have my my dream car on my list, right? An Audi S4. Like this is this is like I know at some point in my life I'm gonna buy this. And I'm gonna love it, right? So it's on my list. So I buy it. I was not any happier. <laughs> I was not. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Why do we do that? Why do you think we do that? I don't know. We keep telling ourselves that. So you have to learn. You have to mature to realize. Oh, you gotta enjoy the journey, like you said, right? Every day. So, I mean, because it's tough because they, by having goals, that is what makes you move forward, something to work towards, right? Mm-hmm. So I do feel like you should always work towards something, but, like, you know, it's not healthy to attach your feeling of happiness with that goal. Right. So, I mean, what what was your advice on how to have goals that push you to move forward but not – 
having it where it's it's a ta- like how do you yeah, feel about this whole thing it just can't be material goals i think is what gotcha. it is can't be material goals so like it's the maturity in that right so now i realize like that's not it um but there's also something the fire in me right so like i preach like don't chase don't chase but truth be told i'm also chasing grant cardone i'm trying to catch him to be the number one sales <laughs> trainer in the country right but i'm not willing to sacrifice time with family right like time with family is time with family so that's just non-negotiable so i think there's a healthier balance now, but you know, it's, it can't be financial. It can't be material. Like those things are not the goals. They feel like the goals. They feel like targets. Those are just nice to have. They're not, they cannot be. I, I got, I goal. got an interesting question. Yeah. I, I like your perception on some things. Look, um, so you said something about balance, right? Mm-hmm. I heard something not too long ago that kind of blew my mind. Right. Um, it was on clubhouse. I forgot who said it. Um, but balance said something about balance doesn't, really exists right yeah, it's garbage. As, as far as entrepreneurship and really go because look at this i was like whoa that was nice he said because when you're in balance you're out of focus mm-hmm. and when you're focused you're out of balance and i was like wow that's that's major how, how do you feel about balance do you feel if you're really trying to achieve something do you because everybody wants balance like mm-hmm. do you feel like it's it, it balances a thing or do you feel like I, people should be trying to chase balance when they're trying to chase a goal I think they absolutely should be chasing balance while they're chasing the goal. I think that everyone says you should sacrifice a little bit to chase your goals. And that was me, right? Hustle, grind, don't pay yourself, put all the money back into the business. Like I I was that guy, right? Uh, Working to two, three o'clock in the morning for many, many years to chase your dream. And I still preach that, right? In the beginning, you Mm -hmm. got to, when you're getting, trying to get the, uh, the, the, the well going, you got to pump, you got to prime the pump, you get the well going, you got to grind, you got to hustle, right? But eventually, you can absolutely achieve balance if that's your desire, gotcha. if that's your intention. And you can't say, I want balance. You got to say, this is what balance looks like, and I'm going to be disciplined enough to create this. So, for example, you know, I won't work on Saturdays no matter what. I got time blocks for family all in the calendar. And it's kind of weird to treat your family like a business where you got a time block and schedule and this and that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, that's what's getting sacrificed first. So. On my calendar, family is first, and I fit the business where it can fit. That's that's funny because most people do it the other way around. Like I'm a grind, I'm a grind. If I have some free time, then I'm a yeah. Hang on, was it? Um, You know, the family gets the rest of me, not the best of me, right? You know, it's funny. You said you know uh, going towards a goal and sacrificing stuff. Jim Rohn made me think of a Jim Rohn thing. He said some things in life it cost me. He said you know I think you should go out and get it. I think you should go and chase your goals. But some things just cost me too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he, like he, you know like that time with family and mm-hmm. so some things aren't even worth it. Yeah, you can't get back that time with family. That time cannot be received back and. You might think, oh, you know, I'll spend time with my kids when they're older. You know, I'm going to sacrifice right now for my business. and But when I'm older, I'll spend more time with my kids. Man, when it's when it's older, when you're older, they don't even want to spend time with you. And in their minds, like, you didn't even have time for me then. Yeah. Right? Like, so that's that it's, it's deep down in there. and It's, it's programmed. So it's a relationship. Your second place. Business is first. Family is second. They've been programmed their whole lives. Like, oh, now that your business is better, you got time for me. And guess what you just instilled to them? Yeah. That you're second place, Dad. Now do you want to hang out? Right. And then why would they want to hang out with you when they can hang out with their friends? Yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff with their kids is the foundation. Like, you know, like all that programming is done when they're young. You can't do anything. Once they're teenagers, you can't program anymore. It's whatever is in there is in there. 
Yeah. You need something real powerful to change those. those yeah, it's a lot. You can either pay for it now with time, or you can pay for it later on with therapy. <laughs> that, that made me think of another. See, Jim Rohn is just programming my head, and he said, "Is this the? Uh, you know, we all got to suffer from one or two things: this, the pain of regret, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like not spending time with your family, yep. or the pain of discipline, mm-hmm. like you know, time blocking." Right. And then he said, "Here's the cat. Here's the thing." Uh, success, he said. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. Exactly. I'm like, wow. That's yeah. <laughs> it's true. You got to be focused. You got. You got. You got to do it. Otherwise, you can pay for therapy later on. That's some good conversation. That's off air, though, right? Yeah. Oh no, no, that was. We're still going. Oh really? <laughs> so last thing is, cool. if someone wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Um, Clubhouse. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm addicted to it, man. But uh, um. <laughs> Instagram, House Buying Brian. Um, shoot me a DM. Actually, in my Instagram, uh, like in my profile, you actually got a, uh, my phone number. You can text me. Mm-hmm. I do respond and text back mm-hmm. more than DMs because DMs kind of get lost and versus the text is easier. Mm-hmm. So Instagram, I'm the most active and the most responsive on, on Instagram. So Yeah. And guys, stay up at Clubhouse. So <laughs> see you guys later. Thank you guys for watching. Man, thanks, Steve. Thank you. Oh man, I love that. I was a, uh, I was on, I was a guest on someone's show, and I was like, "What are your thoughts on Clubhouse?" And I, and I just jumped on it. I'm like Clubhouse is trash. That's what everybody did. <laughs>